All right, Castleton Community Church, if you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 78, our scripture reading will come to us in verses 1 through 8. Again, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. And we hear the psalmist say this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn, and arise, tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is the word of the Lord. And now let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be able to expound your word. I pray that as we go into Psalm 78 and as we go through this, I pray that we would recognize that we are made of the same thing as Israel is, meaning that the same temptations that they fell into, Lord, we are just as culpable to fall into them. I pray, Lord, that we would not look at them with contempt, but we would look at them and to say, God, that could be me. I could fall into those things. I could forget you. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk away thanking you for the way that you have given us this psalm for our instruction. I pray that you would bless your word as we go through it today. We ask this, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So I think we would all agree that many of us are touched by stories. I know it may seem like a, a long time ago, but you and me can remember a time where we used to go to this place called the movie theater and watch movies for $12 many times for something that is not even true. We watch all these fantasy and we watch all of these movies for which is not even true most of the time. I have the benefit of growing up in an all-female household and I have the luxury of watching very many movies and shows that I otherwise would not choose. One of the movies that we watched in our COVID season, which I was not excited about, but my mother and my sister and my aunt, they all loved, maybe some of you will know the title, is Little Women. I watched this, and in the beginning, my eyes are rolling. I'm getting upset. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, here is just yet another one of these shows that I'm not going to like. But it was weird. As the Movies started to continue to un unravel, and I'm getting to know these characters, and I'm getting to know this character named Joe. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, for those of you who know, I'm like getting mad at Joe, and I'm like about to yell at her, and I'm like, what are you doing? And then the movie is over. And then I can remember two, three, four, five days after, I am just thinking, Joe, what did you do? And I'm upset. And this isn't even a real story. And yet what, what Asaph does here is he doesn't tell us a story so that we can sit on our couches and just enjoy. What Asaph tells us is he tells us something so that you and me can understand what is it that the next generation needs to know. 
Asaph is not here to entertain, but he is here to let us know the pitfalls and the sins of the previous generation. And we would be wise to look at and to hear what is it, Asaph, that you want us to know about the ways that Israel fell? And so today, as we go through this, we're going to go through 38 verses, and we are just going to go through in a narrative and just really do a grand story to really see what was it that Israel struggled with so much. We're going to do this in point one. We are going to see God saving Israel. In our second point, we will see the story of Israel. Then third, we will see God's mercy. So in verses one through four, we see Asaph tell us this. He says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. It seems as if Asaph sounds very, very similar to the book of Proverbs into where we wonder, Asaph, what is it that you want the next generation to know? And he tells us in verses 6 through 8, he says this. He basically says he wants the next generation to set their hope in God. He doesn't want the next generation to be like their fathers who forgot about God's ways toward his people. The story continues now in verse 5, and we see that God's first act that he established with Israel is that God saves Israel from slavery. We hear that when God speaks to Moses, he says, the cries of my people have entered into my ears, and I am sending you to now save my people. We see that God does not save a mighty people. He does not save an extravagant people, but he saves a people and calls it his own. I think the worst part about Sundays is that our beloved and holy Chick-fil-A is closed. But we all know what it is like when we go to the drive-thru and we get the number one meal and we hear those precious words after we get our chicken sandwich, the attendant says, my pleasure. And we think, God, how did you make these people? They're so nice. And yet what is amazing is that it was God's pleasure to save his people. He didn't do it begrumblingly. He didn't not want to do it. God takes pleasure in his people and he saves this people from their bondage. Asaph tells us that he established this testimony on Mount Sinai and he appoints a law in Israel. And look at what he says in verse 5. He says, when he appoints this law, he commands the fathers to teach their children. Parents, we see that it is your joyful yet hard responsibility to raise your kids in such a way to what they, when they talk about God with their friends and when they go to school, they say, can I tell you about the ways that God has been gracious to me, a sinner? Your primary responsibility as a parent is to raise your kids in such a way that they can say, what a great God. This is your duty as a parent. And our hope here at Castleton Community Church is that as your kids would grow, that we as a church would come among you and we would help you and we would steward your children in such a way that when they go to college and when they go into their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s, that they're still continuing in knowing how good God has been to them. 
That is your whole entire duty as a parent. And that is our duty as a church is to raise kids in the way of the Lord. And so we transition. We ask the question, what was it that led Israel to become so stubborn and rebellious? What was it? What happened? And now we move on to point two in verses 9 through 37. And now we get the first little sight into Israel. We see now that Ephraim, which most likely represents all of Israel, that it says that they were strong with the bow and that they turned back on the day of battle. We see in verse 10, it says they did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. One can remember in Numbers 13 when the two spies go out, the the spies go out to get a report to see what are the people look like in the land flowing with milk and honey. And they come back and they say, man, there's some big people out there. These people, in fact, they look so big, we're going to look like grasshoppers. And they say, we can't go there. And we see that God's people, while they are commanded to go into the land, they turn back. And why don't they go into the land? Well, verses 10 through 15 tells us simply, they forgot. Verse 11 tells us, they forgot his works. God's people did not walk in his law that he gave them. Somehow God's people had amnesia and they had forgotten about the way that God had split the Red Sea. I don't know about you, but when I go to Florida on the beach, when I step on the sand, the sea does not split. And yet this amazing wonder when Israel was literally like, oh my goodness, God, what's going to happen? And God split the sea and let his people not walk through mushy ground, but walk through dry ground. The people of God had forgotten about the mighty ways and all of the wonders that he said he would show. And they forgot about the Red Sea. They forgot, as verse 10 to 15 shows us, they forgot about the desert and the way that God covered them by the cloud and that through the rocks he gave them water. God showed time and time and time again that the people of God needed him. And now here they are about to go into the mighty land and they turn back. If you survey all of this psalm, the word that you will continually see that is repeated over and over and over again is the word he. He did this, meaning God did this. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, he did it all. And yet God's people forgot about him. One sees that the reason why you and me wander, the reason why we all go our own, our own way is because like Israel, we forget about what God has done. What are some of the things that you were on your knees praying about, asking that God would deliver you from and God has done that and now that has just become a distant memory and it is as if God had not actually done it. What amazing, miraculous things did you fast for? Did you pray for? Were you just saying, God, if you would just do this, but now it just is ordinary. And so we see what made this previous generation stubborn and rebellious was that they forgot about the wonderful and miraculous works of God. And if you and me are not careful, we can so easily just speak about God and his grace towards us in passing ways and forget about how good God has been to us. The story continues in verses 17 through 20. We now see that Israel's forgetfulness now leads to rebellion. 
we see that in verse 20. We see they even start to say, can God spread a table in the wilderness or even provide meat? As Luke just read in Psalm 23, 5, we see the psalmist says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The good God of Israel has done so much, but now God's people are, are saying that the Red Sea wasn't enough. And they start to have these cravings and they start to question the Almighty. It is almost like you having a friend who is a multimillionaire. You've gone on his yacht. You've gone with him to vacation. You've gone everywhere. And it's almost like you pulling up to McDonald's with him and saying, hey, man, do you think you can spare a couple change for this double cheeseburger? It is like that. It's like if God was able to split the sea, do, does Israel not think that God could provide meat for his people? And yet, they forget. One commentator says, evidently, the more God gives, the less we appreciate it. Do we not see even in our own days, with the ease of how easy life is, we have Uber Eats, we have every genre on Netflix we could ever want, and it's funny how as, tech, as technology has increased, our patience has dwindled. We go to a restaurant and we are furious that they took too long. And it is amazing that the more blessings and the more things that God does for us, it almost seems that we start to think that God owes us something. And so as, as Israel comes now against God, we see how does God respond to his people of ingratitude? And now in verses 21 through 31, we see God does something, and I'm going to say a bad word. Watch out. This is not popular in a lot of churches. God has, here it comes, wrath. God has wrath against his people because they did not trust in his saving power. So what does God do in his wrath? He gives them exactly what they wanted. He gives them the meat and the quail. And we see that the, the numbers account tells us that literally while the meat is still in their mouths, God strikes down the strongest of them. Now I want you to think with me. In ancient Israel, who would have been the strongest of among them? It would not have been the old men, but it would have been the young men. Parents. This is why you and me strive to raise our kids in the fear of the Lord because we must warn that when our desires are untamed, it leads our youth ultimately to destruction. Youth, do you ultimately see where our desires go when they are not controlled? Do you see that they don't lead where our hearts tell us? Proverbs 2.11 says this, discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Listen, the, the way of unrighteousness does not lead towards more joy, but it leads towards a life of having God's judgment on us. That's why, parents, we discipline. That's why we here want to raise our kids in the way of the Lord, because we want them to be safe. We want them to, to, to grow up and to to do well in the Lord. And so we see here, youth, please listen. That when we, when we are helping you, we don't want to ruin your fun, but we want you to be protected from the consequences of sin. Parents, you would be so helpful if you would admit to your sons and daughters and say, can I tell you about some of the ways that my heart has led me astray? 
Can I tell you about, man, when I was 15 and the things that people were doing and the things that I wanted to do and it was so popular? And can I tell you about the ways that my heart led me away to actually have consequences for my sin? Youth, you would be wise in your youth to listen and to say, okay, here is God, and and what does he want of me? Frederick Douglass said something like this. He said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And that is exactly what we want to do here in our youth group is we want to raise strong men and women. And so... Asaph tells us now in verses 32 through 37, here again is the repeating cycle of a forgetful people. Look at what it says in verse 32. In spite of all of this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. Despite the Red Sea, despite the water from the rocks, despite the meat and the quail, none of it satisfied them. And so we see that God's people turn to him, but they turn to him with false repentance. So again, we see what? God delivers his people. God's people get used to his deliverance, and what do they do? They continually sin time after time. And now we leave our second point, and we see God first responds to his people in wrath. Now let us see how he responds in verse 38, and now let us move on to our third point and see God's mercy. And oh, how beautiful verse 38 is when it says this, yet he being compassionate atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. While God's people, they continued in their sins, yet God continued in his mercy. The biggest question that I think you and me must ask ourselves every day, the biggest thing that we must come to our Bibles with is ask the question, what is God like towards sinners? What is God of the Bible actually like? And what verse 38 tells us is that God is compassionate. He is more loving than we can fathom. He is the source of all love. He shows us that while his people deserve his wrath, yet he is compassionate. You heard what the worship band sang. 10,000 reasons you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind for all of your goodness I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Or how about when we sang, Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. I love later when the psalmist says in Psalm 130, he says, Lord, if you were to mark iniquity, if every time I sin, you were to just make one tally mark after tally after tally, he says, Lord, who could stand? And yet this God, being as loving as he is, atones for their iniquity. Men, he is sweeter and more compassionate than your wives. Brothers and sisters, God is more faithful than our best friends. He's more reliable. He knows how to keep our secrets, and yet knowing our sins, he knows how to love us and tell us the very things that we need through his word. Ladies, he is more compassionate and safer than our best fathers. You think of any analogy of somebody that you can think of being nice or loving, 
is them all. And yet this theme of God being compassionate and restraining his wrath, we find this not only in the Old Testament, but we also find it in the New. In fact, D.A. Carson says this. He says that just as the wrath of God is ratcheted up in the New Testament, so is his love. Look at what Paul tells us in in Romans 3, 25 through 26. It is almost as if Paul had been reading Psalm 78, 38 when he says this. Speaking of Christ, he says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in divine forbearance, listen for it, listen, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what we see here is that in Psalm 78 verse 38, the reason why God can be so compassionate yet at the same time why he can delay his wrath because at the present time which was in Christ, now here is God and we can look at the cross and see God puts Christ as a substitutionary atonement, meaning that In Christ, he bears the full amount of wrath while God was restraining and he was restraining and he was waiting. We can look at the cross and say, my goodness, that's what God actually thinks about sin. This is how much God detests sin while at the same time saying, look how much he loves me. The two paradoxes come together in the cross. And we see that Christ atones for our sin on the behalf of God. And so, parents, I say this to you. It is your great privilege day after day day to remind your kids, don't forget about what God has done in Christ. Do not forget about what Christ has done. Do not forget about the fact when Christ said it is finished that we have salvation and that for eternity and eternity you and me will have the amazing delight of sitting in God's presence knowing him fully as Paul says now I see through a glass dimly but when the perfect comes there is going to come a day where you and me are in paradise. Your kids should not be able to leave the house without saying, man, mom and dad, man, they messed up a lot. They said this and that, but let me tell you, they taught me about how good God is to sinners like me. To the youth, remember God and his great love towards you on the cross. This is not something that you will outgrow senior year of high school. This will be something that God willing into your 80s, you're still remembering, man, look at how good God has been. Man, look at what God has done in Christ. Church, this is not only for the youth or for the parents, but this is for us. Every single day what I must do is I must remember, Matt, God sent his son for you. Don't let these desires that you have, don't let them overcrowd the beauty of what God has done in Christ. Christ. Let not the cross just become something of, yeah, Jesus died. Let's move on to the next thing. Let us remember the cross like Jesus died yesterday. 
And so let us, church, remember him. Let us not be like the previous generation who despite all of God's wonders forgot about him. Let us be thankful. Let us remind one another what, as the Hebrew writer tells us, as long as it is called today, because you're going to forget and I'm going to forget. And, and, and when we get through this in 2021 and COVID's over, we're going to forget. And so let us lovingly just say, remember the cross. I know life's crazy right now. I know things are weird. I know we're, we're wearing a mask. We never thought we'd have to do this. But man, look at the glory that is coming. Look at what God has done. Let the cross never become dull. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this psalm. I thank you, God, for the fact that you lovingly tell us and show us what you are actually like. You show us that you are full of compassion. You show us, God, that, that we are a people who tend to forget and who wander away. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us that your mercies are more, that every single day, God, you wake us up, that we have mercies. And let us just be a people who are grateful, God. There is so much you have done in Christ. I pray that our youth would remember this. I pray that our parents would remember this. I pray that all of us, God, would wake up every day and realize the goodness and the love of Christ. Thank you, God, for today, and be with us, God, on this beautiful Sunday morning. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.